Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. All right, well, let's go. We're going to continue in the book of Acts, um, chapter 18. I believe we begin with verse 24. We've, we hung around here for like a month, okay? So I'm going to just read through this and get going, and we're going to get further tonight than we have in a while. So meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. If you recall, if it's been a while or your first time on a Wednesday, Wednesday nights I go through a, a book of the Bible. We've been working on Acts for a while now, a few months. I go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. It's a true Bible study. So Apollos, right, that's who this is referring to in the next verse, he'd been taught the way of the Lord. That's what you're being taught tonight. That's what you believe in is the way of the Lord. And he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. Everybody loves enthusiasm until it gets on your nerves, right, at the wrong time. But he was enthusiastic and he was accurate. <laughs> I only say that because I can be a little too enthusiastic sometimes and I, you know, not everybody takes it the same way. So scripture says, however, he knew what? Only about John's baptism. We'll explain more about that in a moment. John's baptism. Huh. So when Priscilla and Aquila, how many of y'all, husband and wife, your names rhyme? No? Okay. But theirs does. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, who? Apollos. They took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. He was humble enough to listen. He was humble enough to know that he had more to learn, even though he knew the word well. So at this point, Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers. It's like a letter of recommendation, right? They wrote to the believers. Next, next verse, if you don't mind. In Achaia, asking them to welcome him. Thank you. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace... Had believed. Let's stay on this verse just for a moment now. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. Don't you want to be of great benefit to someone? You have gifts that, even though they may seem simple to you, are a big deal in God's kingdom. There was, I believe the evangelist's name was Billy Sunday back in the day. What a great name for an evangelist, Billy Sunday. He said, he made a statement. He said, when you get to heaven, you'll be surprised who's there and who is not. I think when you get to heaven, you'll be surprised who has a bigger mansion and who has a smaller mansion. I've, I've been told a story, and who knows, but I was told a story that a, a, a minister gets to heaven, and he'd led so many people to Jesus. He was well-known, and he went to heaven. He was saved like you. He was right with God. But he got to heaven, and he looked up and saw a huge mansion and thought, that's got to be mine. And he asked one of the angels, whose house is that? And they said, it's... Somebody, I don't, I don't know what name we, it's sister, it's sister's house. You remember her, the little old lady at church that would pray and was always consistent? It's her house. It's, that is her mansion because she was faithful. She did everything she could with what she had. She was given less, but she did more with less. You guys remember the widow's two coins? Jesus was hanging out near the treasury box. That's interesting. Can you imagine God, the God of all the universe is hanging out near the offerings going, man, you cheapskates. He was hanging out watching who was giving. Wow, that'll preach, but that's for another time. And he told the disciples, he said, do you see she gave two mites, two pennies, two 
tiny coins. He said, but she's given more than everyone that has come to give because she gave out of her need. She gave all she had. So you want to be of great benefit to others around you. How? Put God first. Ask God to help you find your gift, right? Your greatest purpose is to serve. So in serving, God will bless you and others. That's just, you just can't get around it. If Jesus served, we have to serve. So once again, when he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who by God's grace had believed. Are we good? No, we're not good. Okay. All right. Well, he refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several what? Believers. That's important. He found several believers. People like me and you. But now he's going to assess their spiritual level. Look at what he asks them first. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. So that tells us that not everyone is baptized in the Holy Spirit when they accept Jesus. Some people are. But this is a subsequent experience to salvation. I'll prove it to you. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They knew about God the Father. They knew about Jesus. So he said, then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. There's that again. So see, Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. Look at that. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, let me hesitate there. Some have said, well, you know, um, that means you're only supposed to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Well, Scripture explains Scripture. And I baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's what I do. The big issue there is that people be baptized, okay? So this can also just be saying they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus as well as the Father and the Holy Ghost. But either way, they were baptized in the Lord's baptism, okay? So let's move on there. Then, once again, proving that Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a subsequent experience to salvation. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Wow! Now, tongues throws some people off. I know that. I say, man, is that gibberish? What is that? Just briefly, just briefly, the book of um, Corinthians the Apostle Paul, he himself says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So what does that mean? He was praying in the Spirit. Some, some, some translations in different locations in the Scripture say praying in the Spirit. Say, well, what is praying in the Spirit? It's praying in tongues. What is the purpose of that? You are speaking directly to God. Another verse says, um, whoever speaks in an unknown tongue when they're praying, they're not speaking for everyone else to understand. They're speaking to God. I've heard other men and women of God say this. Well, the enemy can't understand you, and neither can other people around you. It is a prayer language. It's angelic. It's of the Holy Spirit, and that is speaking in other tongues. Now, what is the purpose of speaking in other tongues? Once again, Scripture says it builds you up. It works on your faith. It works on purifying you. There's nothing like speaking in tongues. You say, man, but can I force that? What can I do? Well, how do you receive a gift? I am sure everybody in here who got a Christmas gift this year, you didn't struggle to receive it at all. 
You probably, the worst case, you probably said, oh man, you shouldn't have done that and tore it to shreds, right? So you received your gift and that was it. You don't go, well, Lord, you're trying to give me a gift. No, you keep it. No, what is the gift? You ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit. If you've never spoken in tongues, he will give you the Holy Spirit. You believe and you do it. I know that's oversimplified, but that, that's what happened. He said, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. All right? They were about 12. There were about 12 men in all. So that's interesting, 12. Then Paul went to the synagogue. What is the synagogue? The Jewish church. It's just church. That's right. Some people say the temple. El templo, right? It's the church house. That's where people meet to seek God and worship together. So Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Why did he need to argue persuasively? Well, because many of the Jews, see the Gentiles, they were a clean slate. Many of the Gentiles, the non-Jews, many of them had been pagans, so they just wanted to believe in the Lord. A lot of times, it's way easier to go with people that don't have a church background. You try to teach someone, what do they say, teaching an old dog new tricks? Say, man, how do we, come on, you need to believe. He said, no, that's not the way we did it. That's not the way we did it when we were kids. Well, he was arguing persuasively among Jewish people, most likely. Gentiles were hearing as well, but he's in a synagogue. So it's a place where the Jewish people met. And, hey, they had thousands of years of Old Testament already. So, um, so I mean, they, they'd been in the covenant a long time. So many of them, this was the sad thing about the Jewish people. Scripture says in John chapter 1, he came to his own and his own did not recognize him. So can you imagine God showed up to his creation, to his people who had been setting apart so he could come through their bloodline. They're like, who are you? You're not the Christ. We don't recognize you. And they crucified him. And others have used that as, well, see how the Jews are? Now they're apart from God. They're separated. No. God's covenant will always be good for the Jews. To the Jew first, Scripture says, and also the Gentile. But here's the advantage of where you stand now as a believer. You are part of the New Testament covenant, and Scripture says it's a better covenant. So if, if there's folks who want to hang out in the old covenant, that's between them and God. But the better covenant says that Jesus doesn't cover your sin. He takes it away. He takes it away. I don't know about you, but that would have been a mess. I've talked about this on and off for years. The old covenant, man, all it showed you was how far away from God you were. It just showed for centuries, it showed people, man, there's got to be a better way. Man, God's got to do something here. You had to kill animals and, and put their blood on the altar and do all this stuff. Wow. And then Jesus came. Scripture says the perfect lamb of God came. And John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So think about it logically. Would you rather have your sins covered or taken away? No, because if you keep covering them, we just got to keep covering and covering and covering and covering. Right? No, I would rather have my sins taken away through faith in Jesus. And that is powerful. And that is why Paul argued persuasively about the kingdom of God. Let's move on to the next verse. But some became stubborn. I know none of y'all in here are stubborn, okay? And none of y'all in, well, I don't know if we're on the live stream, but none of y'all, we are on the live stream. Thumbs up. Do we have anybody joining us on the live stream? Are there a few on there? How many? What you got? Six. Well, six is six more than zero, so praise God. Welcome and thanks for joining us on the live stream. Thank you for being stubborn for the things of God and hanging in there. 
So thanks for joining us. But look at this. Some became stubborn when Paul was trying to speak persuasively about the kingdom of God. Y'all have any stubborn kids in here? Don't raise your hands. Y'all ever been stubborn in here? Don't raise your hands. We, uh, I don't know if y'all heard, but um, we, uh, we lost one of our dogs. Conference week, um, Gentry went to be with the Lord. It was crazy. Our blonde dog, we love him so much. But long story, but he, he did life as he was in death. He was full speed. Man, he played on Saturday. Sunday, he was having difficulty breathing. And by Wednesday, he went to heaven. It was crazy. It just broke our heart. But I'm reminded of him every time I see our other dog, whom he was supposed to outlive, Izzy. I can't believe she's still alive. But man, it's crazy because sometimes she's so stubborn. You go to grab her, and she's just like this. Well, come on, let's go, let's go. And has anyone in here ever worked with donkeys? They, or they'll say stubborn like a mule or like a donkey. Man, I haven't, I haven't worked much with them, but folks tell me they're very stubborn. Some people love them. I think donkeys are cute except for the noises they make. They're a little funny sounding. But stubborn is always interesting because it feels like you can't get anything done. So don't ever stiffen your neck like scripture says. The Israelis had very stiff necks. And what does that mean? They're stubborn. They get to a point and go, mm. You ever heard the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink? Well, Chuck Norris can lead a horse to water and make him drink. Just That was free, right? I'm just making sure y'all are listening. I don't know how he does all that stuff. I think they're lying, right? <laughs> but anyway, don't become stubborn because you'll miss out. Stubborn means stuck in your way. Stubborn means, nope, I've always done it this way, or this is how God moved in my life in the past, or this is, no, you, you want to keep it fresh with God? Then you get in his word every day. I am never going to get to the place in God and go, I've already figured it out. I read the word to the best of my ability every single day of the year. And there's times where just it's extenuating circumstances. If I don't get through my Bible reading that day, I've read some. I read the word every day, every day, and usually get through the whole Bible reading in the one-year Bible. But if I don't finish it that day, I finish it the next day and stay in the word and get in the word every day. Why? Because I need it. I've not, I haven't arrived yet to the place where God wants me to be. And I need it. I don't want to become stubborn and think I know it all. Look at this. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message, and publicly speaking against the way. In the book of Acts, the way was Christianity, faith in God. It's capitalized there, the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the what? The believers with him. <laughs> the ones that believed, he said, come on, y'all, let's get out of here. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. That seems like a strange word, kind of authoritative. Tyrannus was the guy's name. This went on for the next two years. Look at the power of God here. It went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, this was without telephones, internet, email, smartphones, people without TVs, people throughout the province of Asia in two, two years, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. In two years. That is personal evangelism. What is personal evangelism? Tell your friend, tell your neighbor, tell a man, tell a woman. That's the telephone they had was tell somebody. And then it says God gave Paul the power to, to perform unusual miracles 
That's a gift of miracles by the Holy Spirit. Look at the next verse. It's hard to fathom though, right? That in two years after Paul arrived in that part of the world, in two years, Jews and Gentiles had heard the word of the Lord. Okay, let's go on to the next verse. Look at this. This, this is the unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons, right, cloths, that had merely touched the skin of Paul, his skin, were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. You say, man, is, was it something special about Paul? It was special, but it was the power of God. It was the anointing that was on Paul through faith was even transferred to cloths. I remember growing up hearing stories like someone would bring a cloth to church when I was a kid, and they'd leave it on the altar during the preaching and they'd anoint it and they'd lay it under their, their husband's pillow or the wife's pillow or the kid's pillow and man, they would come to God. You say, man, is it magic? No, it's the power of God that was transferred. It's a point of contact that says, I'm believing God, this is a symbol of my faith and man, I, I don't know exactly how that works but it's the power of God. Some things in God's kingdom are mysterious. I don't understand it completely but God does it. But I know this, God always works through faith. You say, well, he didn't believe. Yeah, but somebody did believe and was praying for the one who didn't believe. It's always faith involved. I'll tell you a crazy story about a dog and a man. True story. There's a guy on the East Coast. He had a dog he really loved, and I think the dog had some kind of alopecia where, where the, I guess there were clumps of hair falling off and there were other issues with the dog. And this guy, it could be called mange too, well, this guy, he loved this dog a lot, and he was a real worldly dude, but he was hearing something on the radio or on the TV. I don't remember which one it was, but a preacher said, man, if you have faith in God, you can believe to be healed. True story. The guy said, I don't even really believe, but God, if you're real, I'm going to pray for my dog, and if you heal him, I'll know you're real, because he loved that dog. Well, he said, God, if you're real, and if you really can hear me, and you really do heal then heal my dog and I'll serve you. Well, guess what? Miraculously, that dog's hair started growing back over the next few weeks and that dog got healed completely. That guy today, years later, is a pastor. All because somebody, I guarantee you, somebody was praying for him. That doesn't just happen. You say, oh, it just, ha it just, no, somebody was praying for him. And he believed, and sometimes it takes something for people to believe. I, I recognize that. Let's go on. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. This is going to be an interesting story. Are you ready? Okay. So they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation saying, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. The, their names were the seven sons of Sceva. I guess he had seven boys there, Sceva, a leading priest. They were doing this. They were casting out demons or trying to. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who in the world are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence, y'all are going to like this, that they fled from the house, what? Naked and battered or wounded. <laughs> he tore their clothes off and kicked them out the house, chased them out. That's embarrassing. But here's what's crazy. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. 
a solemn fear, a holy fear, a reverent fear of God descended on the city and the what? The name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. People said, wow, there's power in the name of Jesus. And Paul, the one who's preaching Jesus and doing miracles in the name of Jesus, he says it's not his power. He's telling us the truth. It's the power of God. Isn't that crazy that demon recognized him? This is not to scare anybody, but I went with this lovely couple one time to cast out a demon with Noe and Adrian. And that demon hated us when we got there. I remember I walked in and leaned against the doorpost, and that thing was growling. But it had to leave in Jesus' name. It was that simple. And then the young lady whom we cast the demon out of showed up clothed and in her right mind, I don't know how soon, a few days later at their house, and Noe and Adrian said they didn't even recognize her. But I didn't know who she was. But they said she was a, an attractive young lady. She came to see them, and she said, I just want to thank you all. And she looked like a different person. Isn't that crazy? I said, man, did y'all do that with your power? No, no, I don't have any power. The name of Jesus has power, though. He said, in my name, you'll cast out demons. Yeah, that, was, that, was a, that was a time, wasn't it? We'll relive it again. We'll relive it again sometime. So let's go on. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. Isn't that powerful? You have to say, man, I've been doing wrong, Lord. You've got to forgive me. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery or witchcraft. Someone say witchcraft. What's the problem with witchcraft? It is the power of Satan. That's the problem. Let me just tell y'all, if y'all don't know, because I know Hispanic culture sometimes, we, we get deceived into, hey, it's a curandero, but they say it's the power of God. No, 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 no. That's a, that is, a lot of that is santeria. They mix Catholicism and witchcraft. And I don't know why it's so conducive to all that weird stuff, but people are, the, the yerberias, and they're reading palms, and it's a curandero, and all this stuff. That is not of God. That is an abomination. What's an abomination means it's disgusting to God. Why? Because people are trying to utilize the power of demons instead of the power of God. Okay? Let's make sure we're on the same page there. So you say, man, I've gone to a curandero before. I went to a warlock or a witch. Well, repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you. And cast those demons off, man, because that is not of God. How many of you notice that when people start going to stuff like that, they get sicker, they get worse off, it never helps them. It's like getting on a drug. I felt better at first, but pretty soon they're losing everything. So you don't want to be involved in that junk. Trust me. All right? I could tell you stories and make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Really. I shaved the back of my neck today, so... Um, it couldn't stand up right now. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and they burned them at a public bonfire. Man, they said, we don't want the devil anymore. We want God. The value of the books was several million dollars. It was talents and talents and talents of silver, if I recall in the, the more ancient translations. So, man, they were serious about God. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Let's hang on right there. The message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Did you know God's word always has, a, a, has an effect? You know, scripture says love never fails. And I know sometimes we reason that away and go, man, I was nice to them and they were still a jerk. Nope, but scripture says love never fails. So you keep loving. You keep loving when you don't feel like it. You keep giving and receiving love. You keep loving. You've got to walk in love. Got to. Got to walk in love. And when you don't feel like it, practice it anyway. I've noticed as an adult and as a husband, I do, there's some things that I do that I don't feel like doing. But it's part 
of who I am. It's part of my role that I play as a man of God and as a husband. There's things you just gotta, you just gotta grow up and do it. Same thing with love. Say, man, I don't feel like walking in love right now. Do, do we ever always feel like walking in love? No. Man, I went to the gym this morning, and I did not feel like going to the gym this morning. But I looked in the mirror and went, I'm not getting any younger. I better go to the gym. It was cold, man. It was cold. But it was worth it. I always feel better when I leave. But, man, when I go, I'm, oh, man, Lord, you got to help me. I don't even want to do this. Praise God. But you decide. Same thing. Man, seeking God is like going to the gym. It really is because there's lots of repetition. One rep, two reps. Say, man, I'm getting better at this. I'm practicing love. I'm practicing patience. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to treat them kindly when I don't feel like it. The message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Scripture says about the word, it says God's word will never return to him empty or void. It will never return to him empty. It will always accomplish what he sends it to accomplish. It says in the book of Psalms, he sent his word and healed us. And he sent his word and forgave our sins. That's very powerful. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. What's the next verse? Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. And after that, he said, I must go on to what? Rome. Wow. He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Erastus. Timothy ended up becoming the pastor in Ephesus, if y'all recall. A very powerful, moving church. He was a, a spiritual son to Paul. He sent Timothy and Erastus ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a while longer in the province of where? Asia. All right, you're good listeners. At about that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way, concerning believers and their belief in Jesus, okay? So let's see how far we get with this. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith, who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many what? Craftsmen busy. He called them together along with others employed in similar trades. Sounds like the union got together, huh? He called together the trade guild or the union along with others employed in similar trades and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our what? That our wealth comes from this business. Oh, man, you start messing with people's money. They will cuss you. They'll be mad. You don't want to mess with their money. But here's what happened. God was dealing with them. But as you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. Now he waxes religious. Y'all ready? I'm not just talking about money and respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis, who is also uh, referred to as Diana, I believe, will lose its influence. And that Artemis, can you imagine you're worried that your God's temple is going to lose influence? If they're a real God, they can take care of their own stuff. Do y'all remember, uh, who was it? Gideon's dad, he said that about Baal. He said, don't you think Baal can talk for himself? That's another reference. Maybe we'll hit that at another time. Because people were worried that Gideon was profaning Baal's stuff. And, and his dad came out and said, let Baal defend himself if he's a god. Right here to say, you know, we're worried about the money, but we're also worried that the great goddess Diana or Artemis is going to lose influence, man. It's going to hurt our tourism industry. You see what, it's funny. Humans are humans forever, aren't they? This is 2,000 years ago. Same old mess. 
This magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world will be robbed of her great prestige, heaven forbid. At this their anger boiled and they began shouting, Great is Artemis or Diana of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was filled with confusion, of course, because there's strife. Strife brings confusion in every evil work. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, who were Paul's what? Traveling companions from Macedonia. Not good. Paul wanted to go in too, but the believers wouldn't let him, which was smart. His people say, hey, don't go in there. They'll kill you, man. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Has anyone ever been to an amphitheater? I've seen several on different continents, and they're fascinating. It was the Roman or Greek style of getting you, it's basically a stadium. Seats in a circular fashion there. I saw, I saw um, let's see, I saw one in uh, Caesarea, right next to where Paul was imprisoned in, in Jerusalem, and I've seen some other ones. And the style of it was, the acoustics are good, so you can hear well, but everyone can see what's going on on the stage, okay? So just imagine the circular amphitheater, and they're doing all this crazy stuff in there. So inside, the people were all shouting, some one thing and some another. You know, great is Diana of the Ephesians or whatever. Everything was in confusion, of course. In fact, most of them, look at people, I'm telling you, 2,000 years later. In fact, most of them didn't even know why what. They were there. Oh, my gosh. People show up at protests, they're like, man, this is stupid. We're railing, raging against the machine. They don't even know what they're there for. Who are we cheering for? Why are we here? Are we getting paid? I'm hungry. Do you have snacks? You know, they didn't even know why they were there, just shouting in confusion. The Jews, that's what a mob is. Is that the truest definition of a mob? Right? What's that? Oh, okay. Did you guys know that the Washington football team got a new name today? It, it ain't good, sis. I'll let you talk to Noah. No, because... I know. Yeah, they changed the name. But anyway, I digress. So I'll move on and we can we'll tell jokes afterward cuz it went it got bad. So the Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander forward and told him to explain the situation. Interest This is just a bunch of confusion. Finally he motioned for silence and tried to speak, but what? Look. But when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept it up for about 2 hours. I don't know how they sustained this. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Two hours. Man, there must have been drugs and alcohol involved. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Man. At last the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. At least he had some sense, pagan or not. He was a Roman citizen. He says, citizens of Ephesus. Everyone knows that Ephesus is the official guardian of what? Of the temple of the great Artemis whose image fell down to us from heaven. I don't know where they got that. Wow, since this is an undeniable fact, at least, he's, at least he's calm, cool, and collected, though. You should stay calm and not do anything rash. Rash means excitable or sudden or foolish. Don't, don't do anything crazy. You have brought these men here, but they have stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. He had some good logic there. If Demetrius and the craftsmen have a case against them, the courts are in session and the officials can hear the case at once. Let them make what? Formal charges. And if there are complaints about other matters, they can be settled in a legal assembly. That was the Roman way back then. We get a lot of what we do today from Roman and English law. 
I'm afraid we're in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government, since there is no cause for all this commotion. And if Rome demands an explanation, we won't know what to say. And neither will anybody in the crowd. Say, why were you doing at the riot? Oh, no, man, they said there was going to be free queso and, and nachos. I mean, I just went. I just went, and they said, there's going to be free stuff. Why were you there? Were you mad at the Jews? No, the, what Jews? These people didn't even know what was happening. He said, man, well, what do we tell Rome? The Roman government says, were y'all rioting, man? We're going to come in and crush this. Is it a revolt? We don't even know why we, we were there. That, that's just confusion. That's so demonic. So then he dismissed them, and they what? They dispersed, thank God. So what does the next verse say? When the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. They needed encouragement after that situation. People were scared and intimidated. They said, man, they're beating people up. They're rioting. They're mad at us. They, they're telling us that we're speaking against their idol-making industry. But he encouraged them. Someone say encouraged. encouraged. Then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. While there, he did what again? He encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece, and what happened there? Did it freeze? Where he stayed for three months in Greece. Some of you are like, I wish I could stay in Greece for three months. He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life, so he decided to return through Macedonia. Several men were traveling with him. They were Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from where? Derby, Timothy, and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. They went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. Why are they saying us? Why is the author saying us? Because we believe that who? Does anyone remember who wrote the book of Acts? Doctor, was it the doc? Was it the great doc, Luke? Hold on. Let's, let's just verify real quick. Because y'all's, y'all's uncertainty threw me off, man. I thought I was going to get some help up in here. I believe it was Luke the physician um, who wrote the book of Luke and Acts, I believe. So he said us. So he was with them. And it says, after the Passover ended, we boarded a ship at Philippi in Macedonia. And five days later, joined them in Troas where we stayed a week. Man, talk about traveling. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Does anyone remember what day of the week is the first day of the week, really? Sunday, not Monday. Monday's the first day of the work week, usually. First day of the week is Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. So they gathered with local believers like we did Sunday, and they shared in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. I'm going to stop here because this story gets real interesting. I mean, someone even dies at a church service. So we'll get into that later. Yeah, it happened. So, but I mean, it's good. If they died at Paul's church service, no worries. So any questions about anything that was said tonight? There was a lot said. Sometimes I get in the rhythm and hit verse and verse and verse and verse, and it's a lot. So we are doing verse by verse, the book of Acts right now. Any questions? No? Let's pray. Go ahead and bow your heads. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word because your word is true. You are faithful. You are God. You are unchanging. We thank you because you saved us, Father God. And for those who have never accepted Jesus, I want to lead them in this prayer. Whether you're in this house or on the live stream, and you say, man, I have never accepted the Lord Jesus and made him my Savior. 
even if you have done it, would you pray with me so that we're praying as a family for, with and for those who have not? Repeat this prayer with me tonight. Say, Heavenly Father, say, I believe Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the only way to get to heaven. Say, Heavenly Father, please forgive me for my sin. Say, I believe. Say it again. Say, I believe Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer. I believe Jesus died and rose again. And I am thankful that I'm now saved in Jesus' name. Now let me just pray a blessing over everyone in this house and those who have joined us on the live stream. We thank you, Father, because you're good to us. We thank you for your word. Even though sometimes I'm a crazy messenger, Lord God, I know that you speak through me because I'm speaking your word. Not because I'm someone great. Lord, Scripture says you can use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And I know sometimes I'm foolish. But God, you are God, and you will use, use our hands, our lips, our service when we are walking in your word and speaking your word. I thank you, Father, for tonight. I thank you for your goodness. Protect us as we head home. Bring us precipitation, God, but keep us safe and give us good wisdom as we travel. We give you all the glory tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If anyone needs a